This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, Las Vegas. Woo! There's a lot of news to cover this week. I'm here with my co-host, David Figler, and lead producer, Sonia Cho Swanson. And today on CityCast Las Vegas, we're talking about the Oakland A's, the trouble with HOAs, and the Animal Foundation under more scrutiny. <laughs> and what you all think about human composting. Let's get into it. It's Friday, April 21st. I'm Vogue Robinson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Good morning, David and Sonia. Wow, there's so much energy (laughs) happening right now. The dancing. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) There's too much excitement. So (laughs) we got to touch on this real quick. The Oakland A's have signed a binding agreement to buy property for a stadium near Tropicana and Dean Martin. So it looks like we're really going to get the Oakland A's. How do y'all feel about this? Well, we talked about this on the podcast before. Mm -hmm. There are some economic theories behind it that don't necessarily support uh, a baseball stadium. I'm still on the fence. I get this. This is a big move. It seems like it's going to happen. But buying property is not the same as, oh, how much public tax support did we just give them in that special session of the legislature? So there's a lot further to go. And, you know, at the end of the day, it may just turn out to be an investment of uh, the people who own the A's in Las Vegas property, which is not stupid, even if you don't put a stadium on there. That's my thought. Hmm. So it's cautious optimism. It seems like this is further along the line, but nothing even binding Mm. means forever. There's David in the law outfield. Okay. (laughs) Picking up first base. We have Sonia. Go ahead, girl. All right. I, I have to say I'm also with David about being on the fence. Personally, I'm not a huge baseball fan, so I don't think I'm the right demographic for this stadium, (laughs) but I have friends who are. The one thing I will say, I noticed that in the map of the property they bought, there's a little carve out on the southeast corner where the In-N-Out sits. And it just occurred to me, if the In-N-Out gets to stay and they build a stadium, that In-N-Out is going to be the highest grossing In-N-Out in the entire country. (laughs) Get money in and out. In and out. Get your in and out. But in and out. Excuse me? Notoriously, like you can never get in and out of in and out. Like it's always a wait. So at this point, it's a misnomer. Ah, that is so true. The in part's so so easy. The out, mm -mm, Hmm. it's going to take a while. What about you, Vogue? What's your take on the A's? Uh, It's pretty dumb. (laughs) I'm confused about why we are collecting Oakland teams. And I don't know if it's on purpose or there's just like lots of mutual conversation uh, between the two cities and the owners. The the money makers are in consistent conversation. But to get the Raiders and now get the A's, in some ways it's like, well, I mean, then, then it's a package. And from the conversation, David, that you had with Bill Robinson, it was really clear that 
Vegas may not have the the market to support baseball fans. And then also because baseball season is in the summertime, it's blazing hot. And having an indoor baseball field feels like it takes away from like the joy of baseball in some ways. Just the the noise is different, the, the open air, that feel of it all. So, I mean, I can't imagine us going, but who knows? Like it'll do some cool things for industry and and money and uh, and trash traffic. It'll increase the traffic over there. And and other things can happen in a stadium too. You know, I saw a meme that uh, Las Vegas be collecting Oakland teams like Infinity Stones. <laughs> <laughs> right, dead ass. So I thought that was pretty funny. But you know, we 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 are a baseball town. Um, I mean, we have the Aviators. They have a beautiful stadium. That's another longer conversation for sure. But more, more, more. I mean, you know, that's the Vegas way. More, 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 please. Well, speaking of the Vegas way, let's talk about why homeowners are battling the HOAs because uh, there's some some juicy goodness. So, David, what's the central conflict here? Like, who is fighting whom over what? The central conflict is that HOAs create conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, inherently, this is just something inherent in moving into an HOA. And we're watching the pendulum. It goes back and forth as to who should have more power. Should it be these homeowner association boards or should it be the people who live there? Uh, I don't live in a HOA. I don't think I ever could because of the ton of rules. I mean, you know, you 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 buy your house and you have to sign this thing called the CCNR, Covenants, Conditions, and Restrictions. Already I'm out, okay? <laughs> but, you know, it could be little minor things, how how tall your grass is, what color your house is, if you have a flag, if your kids are out, whatever it is. Trees. There's a million Signs in your windows, yes. color of your shutters. Sometimes involves political speech, whatever. So at some point, because these little mini governments were popping up all over our valley yeah. to, you know... Uh, secrete themselves away from the the dirty masses. I mean, we have a lot. So the bill just basically puts back in a bunch of stuff that was taken out before. One main example that keeps coming up is that a homeowner who is embroiled with their uh, HOA board can start demanding all these documents. And under existing law, the homeowners association had a cap on how much they could charge them for doing all that research and production of documents and stuff like that. And we're not just talking about, can I have a couple of sheets of paper? I mean, they go after stuff. And so now that cap is gone. Uh, so the homeowner association can charge them however much they want, which seems kind of minor, but these can be really, really big bills that they're sending to the homeowners. I think I saw that they can ban a homeowner from ever serving on an HOA. If they decide that you're like too annoying, if they're like, "Ah, oh, we don't like how you're dealing with us." No, if you've done if you've done the following things on a regular basis, now you cannot be in the leadership. You know, and this is just the government telling these you know people who enter voluntarily into these contractual relationships with their own fellow neighbors, et cetera, uh, what they can and cannot do, which makes sense because I think there is lots of potential for abuse back and forth. But like I said, pendulum. So this is the pendulum that goes back to the homeowner association boards. uh, So they have more fuel against the nasty homeowner. Well, and well, actually, I mean, it's not really against the nasty homeowner. The homeowners association is typically made up of your nosy ass neighbors, of your neighbors who are who are concerned about, oh, what flag is outside of this person's house or why is their car parked in their driveway instead of inside of their garage? It was like, it's my driveway. 
it's mine. (laughs) Don't worry Mm. about it as long as it's not on your property. But what I've noticed is the most involved people tend to be the people who want to control what the neighborhood looks like, what people are allowed to do. Like there's a pool in our neighborhood and people are like, well, you can only have five guests. And the guy posted he wanted to have a party for his two-year-old from like two to five, two to five p.m. this weekend. And people were like, ugh. Uh, you can only have five guests. Like, it's a child. If you don't chill out, it's a pool. We paid for it. Have the fucking party. (laughs) Sometimes you do have neighbor disputes too. And they tend to go to this homeowner's board to kind of resolve it, but not like in a fun mediation kind of way, in a sort of, I hate my neighbor, so I'm going to turn that neighbor in on all the little things they're doing in violation of the rules, and then I'm going to have the homeowners association come down on them basically as my proxy, and then the other homeowner is like, oh, I'm going to do the same thing, and it's just, it's anarchy in some of these homeowners associations. So I actually want to say that I have a pretty good relationship with my HOA. Um, our, I know, <laughs> but I think part of it is because our HOA is so low-key. Nobody really has yards because we're all condos. So that's like, I feel like there's less space and less areas of potential friction. Mm-hmm. I, th- I can imagine situations in which HOAs function as they're supposed to, as these kind of community-oriented organizations where we all kind of look after our own common good. I'm not saying it's perfect, but in an ideal world, there is a way that I could see HOAs functioning. Well, that's the problem is it's run by people. So <laughs> Yeah, of course. Fallible humans. Oh, David, all this faith, all this faith. Well, I mean, Vegas has a higher rate of HOAs compared to the rest of the country. Like, and and that's according to a recent KNPR feature. About a third of our homes are in HOAs, while 20% of Americans broadly live in HOA communities. So Yeah, it's a lot. Why do we have so many? And then why do you all think we have such a love-hate relationship with HOAs here? I think that number is like half a million people in Las Vegas live in HOAs. That's just a lot. I don't know, Sonia, why do you think there's this love-hate thing with it? I mean, obviously, we're like a newer city in the West. So our houses kind of came up in that era of mass post-war development. I think part of it has to do with property values. I Mm. think that HOAs were created to protect property values. And unfortunately, the way that America works is that the vast majority of American wealth is tied up in property. And so when things are that high stakes, when you're actually worried about whether you're going to be able to retire or all of your savings are tied up in this house that you think might lose 10K of value because a neighbor has a pink flamingo in their lawn, then it becomes a a much more emotional issue. And so I think that's at the root of why HOA debates become so intense. And then I think the other part of it that I'm seeing that's a, a a problem is that HOAs are now functioning like little mini governments, mm-hmm. right? They've taken on all these responsibilities, but also the ability to kind of like go after you for infractions that a city might normally do. Or that a city wouldn't do or because that a city of the agreement. Do. And that's where you get some First Amendment issues or free speech issues. It's, it's Yeah. And I, and I wonder if part of it is just because of how odd of a patchwork our valley is because we have... Henderson and North Las Vegas and the county and the city, that those jurisdictions are already confusing and kind of fractured. And so to have yet another jurisdictional, maybe not non-governmental jurisdiction doesn't seem so odd to people in Las Vegas. Yeah. And there are some that I feel like there there are a couple that kind of have monopolies. Like we moved from one part of North North Las Vegas to a different part. We're still under the same governing company, but there's factions for each neighborhood. And and I think some of it is that it takes away the idea of go talk to your neighbor. So as opposed to me, and there's two things about it. One, 
If you've paid your bills up, like when we paid our bills up and early all the way through for the year, I never got a notice about our trees. I never got a notice about when my trash can got pulled in. None of those notices ever came. The one year where I was paying it slower and like I was behind by a month for like the payment and it was, it's quarterly. So I was behind by a quarter. That whole quarter where I still owed money is when I got notices for every, the bush, the small tree that was still growing, whether or not where my dog was at. They wanted you to take it down? It was trim the tree. What's up with like this tree? Here's a picture of your tree. Here's a photo of your tree. Surveillance. In case you didn't know what your tree looked like. Here go a photo of your tree, sis. (laughs) Go ahead and get that trimmed. Um, you know, it's not cute. And it's like, well, I didn't plant the stupid palm tree and you won't and I can't cut it per your rules. So I think there's some discrimination around when and who they decide to attack and come for. And it really is about when and how you pay. And being a quarter behind at that HOA, it was like 40 bucks a quarter. Like I just kept forgetting. And the website is dumb, in my opinion. Uh, so that's one component of it. And the other part is okay, one time we got a notification about the trash can not be putting put out too early. My neighbor could have easily came up, knocked on the door or just brought my trash can to the garage doors and helped me out as opposed to sending, taking a picture and being like, what's your trash can doing out on the side of the road? Hmm. So I think it takes away that human element of talking to your neighbors. And puts this intermediary between you that's like a punitive element. I mean, it's almost ironic. People are in these homeowner associations because they want to keep the government out and abide by their own rules. Mm-hmm. For instance, in Las Vegas, homeowner associations don't have to have short-term rentals. In fact, short-term rentals aren't allowed in homeowner associations Mm. unless the homeowner association board specifically votes to allow it to come in. So they're immune Mm -hmm. from those laws that apply everywhere else. And yet, you know, what do they sacrifice? They have to live under a different set of rules. This legislation is just interesting just because it does seem like every couple of years, one side is more aggrieved and then the government feels that they need to pass laws to help the other side. And it just continues these weird ass battles. But at the end of the day, it's always about humans living with each other (laughs) and being, you know, not the best. Stop being polite and start getting real. Uh, Democracy. (laughs) Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, 
to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So let's talk about the Animal Foundation and how it continues to have really just a tough time managing itself and the animals it's supposed to be caring for. So Sonia, I saw that there they were asked to come into Tuesday's county commissioner's meeting to give like a presentation to be like, look, what you doing and how are you going to fix the problem? Uh, what went down? Yeah. So Hillary Gray, she's the current CEO of the Animal Foundation. She uh, was brought in last January 2022 to kind of help turn around a struggling organization. She came and, and brought a staffer and presented sort of a state of the Animal Foundation to the county commissioners. I will say that the most compelling part of their presentation, honestly, was their argument that animal shelters across the country right now are in crisis. It's not just them. Like it is it is a combination of factors that is largely outside of their control as to why these euthanasia rates are so high. So I don't know if you've seen the local news, but one of the big headlines that was splashed across a lot of front pages or a lot of, you know, landing pages was that euthanasia rates at the Animal Foundation of dogs were up 91% over the last year. But nationwide, I mean, it does seem like pet euthanasia is up across the country, that pet shelters are overburdened in every state. And then to Hillary Gray's point, which I thought was a fair one, which is that the the Animal Foundation's issues were exacerbated by how hard Las Vegas was hit during the pandemic and how transient our city is. I think what I learned by watching this part of the commissioner's meeting, though, is that the problems with TAF or the Animal Foundation go back much further Mm -hmm. than this. For one, it seems like there's a lack of transparency of funds. About a third of TAF's budget comes from cities. They also seem to have kind of a poor relationship with local rescue organizations. Those are those on-the-ground groups that have taken a lot of pets. You know, oftentimes they're run out of a small home or so forth. And so there's a little bit of tension about whether there should be more oversight of rescue groups. And yet these groups are often like the first intake for animals that are found. And then right now, because the Animal Foundation is turning away so many pets at the door because they simply don't have space, they're directing them back to local (laughs) rescue groups, which they haven't had a great track record of working with before in the past. And then I think there's uh, questions about mismanagement, you know, the horror stories of a family pet getting killed when the power outage meant they couldn't access computer records, oh. for example. Yeah, that one was really sad. And then the so, respiratory illness that happened where it kind of spread across right. the board with the animals. Yeah. That was really uh-huh. terrible and, and frightening. Exactly. So I think the commissioners, to their credit, I mean, really seemed to have a real desire to solve the problem. It wasn't just like a bash on TAF day. You know, I think Commissioner McCurdy brought up the fact that like he was like, hey, we need some like timelines. I want some real details. Like give me some action items. Uh, Commissioner Sagerbloom was like, do you need more funds? If you need more funds, that needs to be part of your proposal. We can maybe talk about this, but like let's talk about what you need and how you can fix this. And I think even Commissioner Kirkpatrick was like, if staffing is a real issue for you, can we send people and manpower your way? The last thing that really struck me was that during public comment, a woman from Nevada Voters for Animals stood up and said that this was the first time in 18 years that she had seen this level of direct questioning and scrutiny of the Animal Foundation from the local government. So at the very least, it seems like we might be at a turning point. And that's just my optimistic last take. Word. That's really surprising, Sonia. I mean, David, I'm sure you have thoughts and ideas, but like, how do you think we get to the root of the problem? Because the fact that there are so many animals 
coming to the shelter in the first place. Well, humans are so horrible to humans. See earlier discussion of <laughs> Bro, homeowner associations. No. Right. When it comes to animals. I mean, man, the emotions run high. I'd like to think that there's easy solves, that if we just spayed and neutered more, if there was more education, if there was more funding uh, for things, that it would just sort of solve the problem. But we're a always growing community. <laughs> there's so many people who come here. What do we do? Um, with these animals that have no other place to go. Because ultimately, that's where it's all about, is animals that don't have a place. Uh, apart from the issues of when animals are taken away and euthanized <laughs> incorrectly. Right. I mean, that's God. the stuff that needs to be fixed. But what else do we do? What else do we do? I, I, is there just too many stray animals in our community? Are there too many irresponsible pet owners who have just given up on their animals? And if that's the case, it's not the Animal Foundation's fault. It is society needing to make some adjustments. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think the reason why the scrutiny came to pass was that there's a 91% increase in the amount of dogs being put down at the Animal Foundation. So I think that number kind of screams. And so in that way, I think they're trying to be transparent. And they might have put those numbers out there to say, to say and show, clearly, we need help. And I can't imagine, you know, having to part with our animal because our living situation changed, our budget changed. And there are some things you can plan for. And then obviously 2020 showed us all, there are some things that you just cannot plan for right. at all. But Woof. getting, wow, <laughs> like getting our dog Shaka, like we made sure that we, you know, got her fixed and we tend to always get rescues. That's just, that's how the entire family rolls. If we're getting an animal, we're getting an animal from the rescue space. But I don't know if there's like a perfect or easy fix, but I think it's definitely really, really important to people to for people to really consider what does their money look like? What is their lifestyle like? And can they really care for an animal? And keeping in mind that you can't just the shelter is not a solution. It's a temporary stopgap. So, and if somebody does not come and pick up this animal, some, it does, yeah. doesn't get claimed. It's not a recycle bin. Yeah, <laughs> you it's, know? it's not going to get it's... repurposed. It's a place where after a certain number of days, though, those are the rules that the dog or the animal has to be euthanized because there's only so much space. There's only so much time. There's only so much staff to care for these living beings. Right. You know, the Animal Foundation pointed out they actually do have a program that helps people pay for like pet food. They have like low cost or free oh, like veterinary care. Because part sure of the do. goal is to help, right, to stop pets from even ending up at the shelter in the first place just because their exactly. owners can't exactly. care for them. And so I, I think an expansion of that program could be really helpful, especially given how so much of Las Vegas is still in crisis, still reeling from the effects of the pandemic. The other thing that they pointed out that I thought was interesting was apparently that a lot of the dogs brought in or a lot of the pets brought in are lost pets. And they were saying that like rather than bringing them into the local, to the central shelter, keeping the pets like in the neighborhoods where they were found, it results in a higher return rate and higher connection rate. So I wonder if having like satellite shelters or at least some kind of holding What did you say about the HOA? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Now, now our like, neighborhood, we do that. Yeah. If we see a dog with tags or whatever, a neighbor will take it in. And mm -hmm. that's not easy. And that's a lot to ask. Well, not everyone can do that. Yeah. And, and the government shouldn't rely on the volunteer actions of a neighbor to, you know, neighborhood to do but that. But that goes back to like preventive stuff like chipping. And so if your okay, dogs yeah. are microchipped and so everyone needs to know they need to get their dog microchipped. So if it's lost... Boop, boop, beep. Oh, we know where right. you belong. And usually, it's I right. feel like it's free when you when you when you donate a dog. 
<laughs> I think it's free when you adopt a dog. They'll chip it for free or it's like 50 bucks. But I, I think there it is again. You know, can we talk to our neighbors? Can we have these conversations? Can we try to hmm. to to look out for one another and, and the living beings that we're all we're stuck here together. We might as well yeah. do something good about it and be kind to one another. Okay. The answer is convert HOAs to animal rescues yeah. and then two birds with one stone. Pretty much. Hopefully with this conversation, cracking things open, we'll get to see some real progress because it sounds like for once they're all trying to work towards a solid solution and there's a desire on both sides to to help. So we'll see. So on Tuesday, we aired an episode about the human composting bill being considered right now in the legislature. We ended up asking our listeners and newsletter readers what everyone thought. And y'all weighed in. So let's hear a few of those voicemails. All right. Let me cue this up. Here we go. Hi. Um, I want to leave my um, two bits about human composting. Um, I don't like it. I think it's still better to uh, do the cremations. And that is the most user-friendly. This just doesn't, you know, feel good or right. And I also wanted to say that I'm a retired pharmacist, and our bodies, unless you make a uh, decision to not use big pharma poison, as far as maintenance medications, that's nothing but poison. You know, why would you want a body that's been full of poison by big pharma, vaccinations and everything else, you know, why would you compost that back into the earth? Well, as far as uh, human composting, uh, it's just too easy to make it criminal. Hello, CityCast Las Vegas. This is Tammy. If I could come back as a tree, I would want to be a red delicious apple tree because it's impossible to find organic red delicious apples anymore. Interesting. Well, that was a wild variety of responses. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. None of those things are, are what I imagined. So, I mean, our our first person just said our bodies are 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 too grimy and full of poison to go back into the earth. Trash heaps, I think, is what she said. She, oh, God. she said full of po- we're poison bags. Okay, so why would you yeah. compost yes. our yeah. poisonous bags back into the earth? And I'm just thinking of all the ho hos and ding dongs I had as a kid, and I'm wondering how much of that is still in me because <laughs> uh, that stuff never breaks down. Isn't it your mercury mercury from shrimp cocktail poisoning? Oh, right, right, uh, right, right. All those yeah. shrimp cocktails. Oh I'm, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not going to make a red delicious apple tree. Yeah, so the had... delicious is not going to be there. Wow. <laughs> Why don't we each choose a text message to, to read? I'll start. Okay. All right. Um, so someone wrote in and said, I'm a hospice nurse here in the Valley for 10 years now. And not only do I think human composting is a great idea, it actually surprises me every time I have someone choose full burial. We need to be more conscientious of the space we're taking up after we're no longer alive. Full burial is just unnecessary. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. David, what you got? Uh, I'm going, (laughs) this one made me laugh. Uh, one of our listeners texted in, human composting in Nevada, we've been doing human composting in the desert for over a century. <laughs> wash, wash those skeleton bones. That's right. That's a that's a mob reference right there. Uh, I think that was yes. yes. It was a good one. Then yeah. we have human composting. Smiley face, thumbs up. Uh, I want my legacy to be like my life, healthy fat. I want an avocado pit planted with my remains. 
runner-up mango. I mean, nice. these are all good I like that things. One. So yeah, I, th- I, I think we need more uh, emojis when it comes to human composting. There we, we go. Not. All of our bills need more emojis. <laughs> Some dirt, <laughs> dirt, a tree, a little sapling. I think with all things, you just you get your own options, right? I don't think I necessarily want to be compost, but I'm okay with just like you know, just let if the body deteriorates naturally, let it deteriorate naturally. But I think burial, you know, has to do with ritual and culture and um and tradition in some in some scenarios so uh, i also loved like certain game of thrones scenes where it's like yeah put me on a thing of wood float me onto the ocean and fire like <laughs> the arrows right. lake mead yeah <laughs> like that yeah. looked really cool lake mead fireboat <laughs> i don't need not lake mead though because that's our primary okay. not that one but no yeah fair, that fair. looks super interesting and cool so i i just Death is so devastating if on from multiple perspectives. And so I think whatever And we're not great dealing with it in this country. Grief yeah, like, and death and yeah. transition. I mean, we have a long ways to go. It can be so devastating. There's some really good books out there. Um there's a book called Being Mortal, which I think uh helped me get through my my mom's passing a good mm. friend sent it to me and it just kind of contextualizes a lot of stuff I, I think that we 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 often uh get caught up in in that end of life stuff but also we get surprised by it i mean we all know that we're mortal but sometimes we forget yeah yeah okay so i just recently read a sci-fi series by this author named becky chambers and one of the main characters is kind of essentially like a, a futuristic death doula. And her job is to help kind of recycle human bodies back onto these organic composting things to help grow new food because these people are all like space-born. They're, they're living on these spaceships, and so they have to. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's the future because we live on Spaceship Earth. Maybe maybe even though we, I have this discomfort now with, you know, our bodies being turned back into the earth and used for food maybe that maybe that's something we'd have to consider 100 or 200 years from now so wow soylent green is purple cut I can't stand what you. oh it's people why are you never the mind worst? oh no <laughs> i'm grateful that so many people weighed in i think there's a lot of people have similar concerns and i found that really interesting and i'm excited to hear more about what what our listeners think so thank y'all for for texting and thank you for calling and leaving us voicemails we love hearing your voices. Yeah. You know what other voices I love? David and Sonia. Thank you both for oh, hanging out this morning that. and lending your voices to the show. Oh, thank you, Vogue. This is really fun. Always fun, guys. And thank you, listeners. Woo-hoo. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Muhammad. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our hosts are David Figler and me, Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the new movie, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Hey. 
Hey, did you see that Vogue Robinson says nice things about me on public television? It was an accident. I did. What the fuck, was... dude? I refuse to reciprocate. It was an accident. I will not. I'll if never given do the it opportunity, again. I will. I will not <laughs> reciprocate. I love you guys. Ugh.